listening to The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Good morning, Beefy. How are you going? Actually, I've got flu. Is there a difference between the man flu and the woman flu? Yeah, it's been proved. Man flu's ten times as more dangerous. Knocks you out more. Well, yeah. I hope I never get the man flu. No, you won't. You know, I went to Bunnings the other day. I love Bunnings. I went to buy a hammer. And as I've picked up my hammer and I took it home, I realised there's only one size hammer. Why yeah. do they have a ladies' hammer? They're too heavy. They do have a ladies' hammer. They do not have a ladies' it's in hammer. The pink section at the back. <laughs> Did you not ask? Did you want to know what I'm using a hammer for? Tell me. It's to open up my coconuts. I buy coconuts from the supermarket to drink yeah. them. So you've not been to the pink section in Dump? No. It's at the back. Can't say I've actually seen that you gotta, one, actually. You've got to ask. Have you been to Walmart in the States? they got pink guns for girls in Walmart in the States. Genuinely serious. They, they have a range of pink rifles and handguns. So they have ladies' guns. They do have ladies' <laughs> guns. I don't know whether they're lightweight. They definitely have pink guns. It sounds like something out of Little Britain. I'd like a ladies' gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You know Walmart's solution to uh, stopping mass shooting, even though they sell... How do they stop people going on a shooting spree? Oh, well, they don't sell the ammunition. Their solution, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's going to stop people killing people in the USA. At least they don't sell them in Bunnings, that's all I'll say. Beefy, we've got some great stuff coming up this morning. I'm so excited because it's Wales's national sport, the World Bog Snorkeling Championships. Can't wait. Why would anyone want to swim through a boggy peat? Peaty bog, you mean? Peaty Not bog. a boggy peat. That's another guy. That's a guy I used to go to school with, I reckon. Boggy peat. Peat bog. It's because of what we grow up with, Di. Dirty, disgusting, dishwashy water full of frogs and tadpoles. Have you ever swallowed Amongst a, other things. a frog, an eel or a tadpole? when you're swimming? Uh, as a minimum. You, what, you swallowed them? <laughs> no. Have you ever swum in a boggy marsh? Or every day, I used to get up at five o'clock every morning for peat bog snorkeling training. And then they got to school. The school's at the end of the peat bog. They made us swim through there every morning. <laughs> so you get there with your flippers on. <laughs> yeah. Bog snorkeling training was tough, especially in the middle of winter in Wales because it's bloody cold. Can people in Wales swim? No, we snorkel. Bog snorkel every day. People don't believe us. Don't, don't worry about rugby or football. Bog snorkeling's where it's at, people. Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game-changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au. I've been Axe throwing the past six, seven weeks. It's finals week. I'm looking to take out the Melbourne axe throwing crown die. That is scary. What sort of qualifications do you need to be a good axe thrower? Not much, actually. Basically, you pick up a one and a half kilo axe and throw it at a board. It is good fun. I do like it. Do you wear outfits in this particular... You can do if you like. There's nothing stopping you. No, I was just wondering if anyone comes dressed as one of the TV characters from Scream. The, like the Scream masks? Not that I've seen. We had a fancy dress week last week. Couldn't turn up to the fancy dress week. What was the theme again? Dungeons and Drag Queens. <laughs> This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. I have been telling people in Australia for 20 years that this is Wales's national sport. It is the World Bog Snorkeling Championships. We've got Bob of the Bog to tell us all about the World Bog Snorkeling Championships at Lanwetred Wells. What is a bog? Um... Well, I don't know what you'd call it in Australia. You have strange names for everything. So it's sort of a very wet land where they dig the peat 
which they use to burn on their fires. It's like a marsh dye, I suppose. It's like an irrigation channel that's a bit marshy. It kind of looks like a really dirty version of the Yarra beefy, doesn't it? More dirtier, but less polluted. Well, we've got between 150 and 200 people will be taking part in the sport. Bob, I've got to ask you, when you're swimming in the bog, what does it taste like if you accidentally get some in your mouth? The best advice is don't get any in your mouth, to be honest. There are so many things living in it. This is the <laughs> other thing about it. <laughs> Not all of them good. I heard it tastes a bit like dirty potato water. That's how it's been described. Well, I've never actually drunk dirty potato water, but it's quite earthy. That's probably fair. Earthy. Earthy dye. It's got a long history. Back to 1989, I think this was the first time the World Bog Snogling Championships were contested. Now, as I say, we've got well over 100 and heading on towards the 200 people. And you might be pleased to hear this. We have a couple of Australians. Not unusual over the last 10 years, turning up in their droves from your part of the world, Australia and New Zealand. Didn't an Aussie win not that long ago? An Aussie no. won it around about 1990. Oh, there you go. Yeah, somewhere from Perth. Foreigners approach it with much more enthusiasm. And if they come from colder climes, they're not quite so affected by the temperature of the water. But we really do have quite a list of nationalities. Even this year, I know that we've got Australians, South Africans, Canadians, Americans. It's a proper international sport. We will be pressing to go in the Olympics, no doubt about it. Of course, of course. This is a 60 metre long peat bog. You swim... No, we don't do metres here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. 60 yards. There's a pole, basically, at one end. You basically snorkel as far as you can, get to the pole, swim around the pole, come back. Simple as it is. Very simple sport. It's pitch black, this bog water, so how do you know when you get to the pole? You hit it, I guess. Well, one part of your body will collide with it. (laughs) Do you get injuries? No injuries. I mean, it's so cold in there, if you hit your head, you're just a bit numb anyway. (laughs) You are Welsh, right? Let's be honest. Can the Welsh swim? Yeah, the Welsh can swim. Of course they can. Why would they not be able to? Bob, you're actually talking to the Gwent under-11 backstroke champion. Good grief. I was blessed with the fact that I have negative buoyancy. So you sink well? I can swim as long as I can hold my breath. But once I breathe, it's a downward. What else have green events got on? The real big one, which is the man versus horse race. That attracted 1,500 people last year competing in that. When was the last time the man beat the horse? It's happened twice. 2004 and 2007 it was repeated. In 2018, the uh, runner lost by 23 seconds. Man versus horse. (laughs) One year we had a a girl in that came third overall, so that was a it's a massive event but then so is the bog snorkeling we've had some celebrity Australian celebrities take part I think Hamish and Andy may have taken part in the World Bog Snorkeling Championships a few years ago as well who are huge over here yeah they weren't brilliant were they (laughs) I don't think they performed too badly but they did complain about the cold quite a lot when I say quite a lot I think from the time they got in to the time they left us (laughs) fair enough convict whingers I will keep pushing the World Bog Snorkeling Championships on it's so good that we have a unique sport in the deep dark peat bogs of Lamworth Threadwells. This is true. That was Bob Greenoff. He is part of the bog snorkelling on the bucket list. Are you going on a holiday? Well, what's the one thing you need when one thing goes wrong? Voted Travel Insurer of the Year 2019. One Cover Travel Insurance. Give me that insurance. Go to Travel Insurer of the Year by productreview.com.au. One cover is underwritten by certain underwriters at Lloyd's. Always read the videos before purchasing at onecover.com.au. This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons.
And this morning we're chatting to Sarah Nelson. She is the venue manager of Maniacs. You are part of the Melbourne Axe Throwing League. Is it dangerous? It is not. And I get asked that a lot. The only injuries we ever see are splinters. Everyone seems to want to walk up to the board and touch it, which to their own detriment. But no, it's a very safe sport. We make sure it is. I've been part of the uh, Wednesday night Axe Throwing League for the past six, seven Mm -hmm. weeks. It is great fun. What was the first seeds of conception? Well, Axorn definitely came from Canada. There was a group of guys who thought it would be a great idea to do it in their backyard. That turned into what is now the biggest Axorn company that there is. The axes themselves are only little tomahawk axes, only weigh about one and a half kilos. You stand about three metres away from the board and uh, there's a variety of ways of throwing them as well. Yeah, there's a couple of different options that you have. They have to have wooden handles. The handle has to be a certain length. We stand about like four and a half metres away from the board. You can throw it overhand one-handed. You can throw it overhand two-handed. And then only in league can you ever throw an axe underhand. You could do that, Beefy, because you used to be a cricketer. I actually go the two-handed overhead style. Sounds scary. Sarah, are there different weights? I mean, can you get a lady's axe? They don't differentiate in weight that much. I find women just don't need the lesser weight. They're not really that heavy. I'd say at least 50% of our league members are females and they are crushing it. And they speak me very regularly. They beat you. I bet you enjoy that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Of course. There is an opportunity for the Australian champion to get flown to Canada for the World Axe Throwing Championship. So there is a massive carrot at the end of this. Well, that'd be hard because the Canadians, you know, being lumberjacks, they would have the natural advantage, wouldn't they, Sarah? They do have a bit of an advantage in the fact that they've got so many people throwing, whereas here in Australia, so 140 people to pick from, and we only get to send four, to the mm. best of my knowledge. Is Beefy good? Because, you know, having been a cricketer, he, he's good at tossing and he's a good tosser. <laughs> well, I mean, he is in the, he's in the top 10. I think Beefy's sitting in sixth place right now. Really? 16 people. So he's doing pretty okay. Sarah, you also had a, a dress up axe throwing night recently. What was the theme? Dungeons and Drag Queens. So it was a bit of a play on Dungeons and Dragons and Drag Queens. Uh, which one were you, Beefy? I actually had to go away for work, unfortunately, so I couldn't quite... <laughs> <I'm excuse>. I, <laughs> I couldn't quite get the glitter and the uh, high heels on. You know what? That's a real shame because Emily Maddox from The Vixen, she actually offered you to wear her dress. <laughs> she did too, didn't she? That's she... a long story. <laughs> I forgot about that. We were saying that you wanted to try some netball, so she said she'd uh, lend yeah. you her frock. See what, see what they get me into, uh, Sarah, when I do all this stuff? You signed up for this, Beefy. I can't tell you anything else. <laughs> I know. No, it's, it is a lot of fun. How sharp are the axes? Oh, they're pretty dull. With people who just come in off the street and throw, I personally dull those, but it's just a safety thing. However, the league axes, I let them keep them a little bit sharper. How do you dull an axe? <laughs> So you can do it on concrete. So you can just run a little bit of the blade lightly on concrete and that will actually dull it quite a bit, enough that it's definitely not sharp enough to cut somebody. But we have a whetstone that we use to sharpen all of the axes and that saves me quite a bit of time. Now, these guys also do corporate parties and bucks nights, hen nights, all that. So if you want to get down and have a axe-throwing party, please get hold of Sarah at Maniacs. It is a good night out. You could do divorce parties as well. Get your aggression out. I have seen one before, yes. It has happened. It definitely is a good way of getting your stress out. <laughs> getting your aggression out Divorce on Divorce causes stress, as we all know. Check out the Melbourne x throwing scene, and great to see it in Australia. And like I said, if you win or get in the top four in the Australian Championships, you could find your way to Canada, which is quite amazing. Thanks very much. That's Sarah Nelson. She is the venue manager of Maniacs, home of Melbourne x throwing League, on the bucket list. This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons.
Live in New York City, we are crossing to Brett Phillips this morning. Good morning, Brett. How are you going? Diana, Beefy, uh, very nice to uh, join you guys. The uh, Aonix Manhattan, I'm just at the launch of the new Yonix uh, V-Core racket. We've got the world number one, Naomi Osaka, who's within touching distance, and she's surrounded by about 80 cameras. I'll tell you what, you wouldn't want to feel claustrophobic, that's for sure, and she's used to it. She's shot to fame in the last 12 months and had cameras all around it. So we've done the draw, BP. How's it looking for, uh, obviously, the Aussies? Well, our favourite friend, Nick Kyrgios, has got a very favourable draw. And just depending what Nick Kyrgios turns up, of course, but he's got to get past Steve Johnson, a solid tour pro, very solid top 100 player. But no further word from the ACP regarding any possible sanction, apart from the fine that he got in uh, Cincinnati. It just depends. I mean, we remember here last year, of course, Mohamed Laoni was castigated, the chair umpire, and banned for appearing because he actually got out of his chair and did what we all probably want to do and just have a word in Nick's ear and say, mate, just give it everything. You're actually a draw card and you don't want these people leaving, so just give it 100%. But anyway, he got pulled over the coals uh, for that, which I think was a little unfair, so uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Nick Kyrgios, but... What's the odds on him having another meltdown? Would you like to bet? Yeah, look, I think there's a fair chance. There's a pattern, isn't there? I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a bit of a frustrating one. It's a difficult one, and there are clearly some issues. You know, all of us want to see him be the best that he can be. But there are a lot of Australians in the draw on the women's side. Ash Barty, she's as cool and relaxed as you could get. Nothing phases her. You know, she likes New York. Uh, had her best result here last year, and the hard court certainly favour her. Brett, for all our bucket listers, what's the difference between Flushing Meadow and Wimbledon or the French Open or, well, the Aussie Open, obviously, that most people have uh, perhaps been along to? New York is New York. I mean, anyone that's been here knows it's like, wow, it just hits you in the eyes, doesn't it? I mean, I remember the first time I came to New York many years ago, the old Lonely Planet in my hand, and you're coming out of the subway and thinking, where the hell am I and what am I doing? And people are just going about their daily business, and that's what the, the US Open is. It's big, it's brash, it's got the um, you know the biggest capacity stadium in tennis. They're basically having a party. It's a constant hum. They've got no etiquette whatsoever. You know, the corporates <laughs> have got their backs to the tennis. High up in the bleachers of Arthur Ashe, they're having a party. And as a player, you've just got to get used to it. I mean, you've got to accept that's just part of the US Open, that you know, most of them stay in Manhattan. It's a fair trick, 40, 45 minutes out of the traffic. That's why they love Australia, because they can stay on the doorstep of the city. It's just big. It's a very American. That's no, great. Has New York City gone completely tennis crazy? I mean, it's such a big city, diner, isn't it? I mean, tennis, you know, certainly captures the imagination. But, you know, tennis in America is fighting for space against the, uh, the big codes, which obviously dominate and... You know, have um, you know, fanatical followings, but look, the US Open crowds are amazing, like all the Grand Slams. Become an event, so you, I mean, you don't have to be a, a passionate tennis fan to come along and have a night out at the tennis. It's a place where you meet friends, you have a few wines, you have a few beers, you socialise, you watch a bit of tennis. But it's sort of sometimes the tennis part. It's the back end of the Grand Slam season as well, so players are a little jaded. It opens up maybe the door, certainly on the women's side, but on the men's. How do you draw any other conclusion that Djokovic, Federer and Nadal are going to be the ones competing for the title? Because none of the younger guys right now have shown they can win best of five. Uh, who are your tips for the men's and women's titles at Flushing? A tip Novak Djokovic. Uh, I, I thought about that long <laughs> How do you go past him? But look, I'm really keen to see what Daniel Medvedev does. He is running hot this season. Just come off winning uh, Cincinnati six final. But I like him. And on the women's side, you know, I think Ash Barty's as good as any chance. I'm really sitting on the fence with the women. It's impossible to identify one that is a clear standout. But um, yeah, Serena, let's uh, let's see if she can. 
to stay away from a bit of controversy here because it tends to follow her here in New York. In fact, I was at a briefing today where Carlos Ramos, who was the chair of Pi last year, who infamously called her for the um, coaching on court, he won't be actually officiating <laughs> any of Serena's matches. So the USCA basically said we don't want any controversy. We need to keep Carlos away. We will look forward to listening to uh, the first serve on Wednesday nights. Thanks to Pave World as well, Melbourne's number one paver supply with. From One Cover Travel Insurance, here's Aisha with a travel tip. Good morning, Aisha. Good morning, Di. Today, my travel tip is a two-in-one packing tip. So, firstly, if you want to pack lighter, you should avoid last-minute packing. So, I know some people are really good at packing the night before and getting everything right, but if you're anything like me, you arm and are over what to take and often regret some of the things you take and some of the things you left behind. So to make it much easier on yourself, I've found that if you pack two days in advance and let it breathe and then revisit it in 24 hours, you'll almost guarantee that you end up taking something out or you remember something that you, know, you really want to take and then you just end up packing better overall. And secondly, if you want to pack smarter, just pack what you wear at home. So I know some people go travelling and they buy all these things that they think they need to wear overseas or they big, buy big puffy jackets or whatever if they're going somewhere cold. And sometimes that can be useful, but generally you should just pack what you wear at home uh, because it's not like you're becoming a different person just because you're going overseas. When planning your next holiday, make sure you take out travel insurance with OneCover. Call OneCover on 1300 192 021 or OneCover. And this morning we're chatting to Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays. The Australian F1 Grand Prix is coming up 2020, Thursday the 12th to Sunday the 15th of March. Tell me, Daniel, why travel to the Australian Formula One Grand Prix? 2020, believe it or not, will be the 25th year. The race has been staged in Melbourne, which is incredible. It's the first race of the season, first opportunity to see all the new teams, cars and drivers. And due to so much that's new, it can be an unpredictable race, especially if there have been some regulation changes. It's the world's biggest motorsport category in our own backyard. So if you're a rev head, I think it's an absolute must. It's Aussie Daniel Ricciardo's home race. Plus, it's not just about the F1, and that's what I love about the Australian Grand Prix. There's so much other motorsport, from the Australian GT Championship last year to the Ferrari Challenge, to the Australian Formula 4, to the Porsche Carrera Cup, the supercars as well, not to mention all the off-track entertainment and activations. It's an absolute cracker. There is never hardly a dull moment on the track, and that's what makes it very, very special. We get that feedback all the time. Uh, From that perspective, it's the best race in the world, plus it's held in the heart of Melbourne, one of the best cities and and holiday destinations in the world, from my perspective as well. What packages you got happening at the 2020 Aussie Grand Prix next year? We have a three- or four-night package, which includes your accommodation, uh, your choice of grandstand tickets or hospitality. As part of your ticket, you get free public transport to and from Albert Park Circuit, so if you're staying, staying in town you can jump on the free tram we throw in some merchandise and of course our, our special experiences that we include uh, with all our packages where are most of the guests traveling from daniel mainly get guests from australia and new zealand we actually don't get many international visitors outside of new zealand simply because formula one races are, are just held in, in all corners of the globe why would you book a travel package through sportsnet holidays they are the best people to talk to they include everything 
Daniel, you mentioned very briefly the special events that you put together. What have you got in mind for 2020? These are some of the main reasons you book with us are the special experiences. For 2020, we've got a, an exclusive VIP dinner on the Friday night. So we're going to have an F1 personality uh, to MC the event. We'll have a, a special guest F1 legend uh, or legends. Past guests have included you know, Mark Webber, David Coulthard, Damon Hill, Martin Brundle, Alan Jones. So the who's who of Formula One. The MC and driver will give a preview of the weekend of race ahead. There'll be a Q&A session, live music and entertainment as well, dinner and drinks throughout. It's a cracking night, that I can assure you. Plus, everyone who books with us will also get a scenic helicopter flight over Albert Park Circuit. So breathtaking views of the circuit during the Grand Prix, the Melbourne CBD, Port Phillip Bay, that's an experience not to be missed. Oh, that's sounding better and better all the time. You get money can't buy experiences, guaranteed tickets, the best seats in the house, awesome accommodation, everything is done for you, all at an awesome price. So, if we want to book for the 2020 Australian Formula One Grand Prix, what do we have to do? You need to contact Sportsnet Holidays, 1300 888 858, 1300 888 858. Or www.sportsnetholidays.com. That's sportsnetholidays.com.